All right, we are back for another week of UFC Talk, the All-Star MMA live show. And uh, UFC San Antonio, man, it was an incredible, incredible event. We're going to get into all of that. And I got my guest. He's back with us on just a different platform. Were you? Have you ever been on the show before? Or is it, I haven't is been on this show. Time? I've been on like okay. other All-Star shows with you back in the day. But That's first right. time on the live show, first time doing recaps. Happy to be back. Happy to to reunite JHK and ESK. Oh, for sure, for sure, man. And uh, Spencer's been doing a lot of work for uh, Severe MMA. So go check out Severe MMA. Go subscribe to their YouTube channel if you subscribe and and hit that notification. You'll get his content. It comes out every week. Go check it out. And uh, let's just jump right into the main event, man. Um, Corey Sanhagen goes in there. And defeats Cheeto Vera via split decision. We'll get to the split decision part. But uh, Sanhagen, man, he was so impressive. He is just showing his improvement. And I think a lot of people just linger on the losses that he's had. And and don't look at the improvements that he's made throughout the years. Spencer, what did you think about how he performed? And then every round, it just seemed like he was getting better and better. What did you see? I mean, he fought the way that I expected him to. I, I think he fought the way you need to fight Cheeto Vera. And that's right out of the gate. You know he's going to be a slow starter. So get after him and show him all those different looks. The thing that Corey Sanhagen does really well and did really well on Saturday is he's switching the stances and it's different looks. And the commentators talked about it throughout, right? He gives you so much that you have to think about. And in these last few fights, he started mixing in the wrestling even more as well. And so that becomes another piece of it. And so it felt to me, like especially through those first two rounds, it was just too much for Cheeto to deal with. And as Sandhagen starts slowing a little bit, as Cheeto starts figuring out, okay, he can do all of these different things. You saw him start stuffing the takedowns a little bit. But by that point, he's two rounds down. He's taken a bunch of punishment, not in a bad way, not that he was ever in dire straits or anything like that. Cheeto Vera has an incredible ability to not show any damage ever, but like you just get down and it just felt to me like a little bit of that spirit was taken out of Cheeto early. Now, maybe it was, he didn't have it to begin with. And we sort of saw that in between rounds as he talked with his coach, Jason Perillo, who was really trying to egg him on throughout, but Sanhagen just stayed on the gas. He just stayed doing all the things that he's done. And you, you mentioned the improvements, the developments. I look at that loss to Piotr Jan, which was a close fight, a competitive fight. And I think he came out in that fight a little too fast, a little too aggressive. And it cost him later in the fight. And since then he's metered that off a little bit and he's figured out that right rhythm and that right output for him. And he's looked great since. Yeah. He, he looks like if I was a guy fighting him, he, he he looked like a guy that that would be confusing to figure out in that fight. It's just the movement. It's just he's just always moving and he's always attacking from a different angle, shooting for takedowns. Man, he looked incredible. Like I don't understand like why people would say that was a boring fight. Like I love that fight. That, that was, was like the fight. highest highest yeah. level of MMA you could watch. And and Cheeto. Maybe he, you know, his last couple of fights, right? He was able to like 
chill, chill, kick back, and then right. you know, and pull shot. out the shotgun at the end and just boom, you know what I mean, and right. win the fight. And maybe he was relying on that a little too much in this one. You know, maybe he was. Do you think so? I don't know if he was necessarily relying on it. I think that's a piece of Cheeto that's always there, right? He's a guy that doesn't mind getting down because he knows he's got that shotgun, as you aptly put it. We even saw in the first round, right? Sanhagen takes him down and right away, Cheeto does what he does of like framing off the head, landing elbows, cut Corey Sanhagen immediately. Those are all good things. The point where he gets in trouble is that the offense just isn't enough for him to be when you, when you can't pull out that shotgun, when it's not there or it just won't rack properly, then it's like, Oh, what do I do? And it felt to me watching it like he didn't really have that. What do I do? There wasn't the answer to that question of, okay, I'm not going to hit this guy with one shot. So I've got to really change up what I'm doing and come out and be more volume and be more pressure and be more pace. And then the other piece of that is that Corey Sanhagen is just a pain to deal with. Like mm -hmm. the thing that he does so well that I think is a, a differentiation point between him and a lot of other elite competitors. And again, they spoke about it during, during the fight itself. He doesn't have to reset ever. He can, he can fight from both stances. He's got power in both hands. He's fluid with each limb. And so where some people have to throw their shot and then get back and reset into their orthodox stance or their southpaw stance, every shot he throws, wh wherever he ends up, however he lands, cool, this is how I'm going to fight. So I never give you an opportunity where I'm not coming forward and in your face and hitting you with something. And I think it was just one of those nights where I bet you if you asked Cheeto today or tomorrow how he felt in the back, he would say, you know what? I just couldn't get loose and I didn't feel like I have it. Like he didn't look like himself running to the octagon on Saturday night. And Corey Sanhagen was the exact opposite. Came out and looked great and put it on yeah. him. You're right. That could be it. You know what I mean? Fighters do have off nights where they just don't feel it. They just can't get warmed up. They just can't hit that second gear and, and or the third gear or whatnot. And uh, and Corey Sanhagen, man, all credit to him yep. for, for putting in a game plan where Cheeto couldn't get into the second gear or the third gear. He was just stuck at gear one and, and landed a couple hard shots throughout the fight. But there was no round, I don't no. think, where Cheeto Vera one no at all i don't understand like what one of the judges saw where he scored the three rounds to two right. for cheeto that just is blasphemous i don't know man like it's just Corey crazy. sanhagen's face when they said yeah. <laughs> 48 47 vera was all of our collective faces yeah. of like wait what yeah. i said to my wife when it was done when i went downstairs like i can't see at all how anybody would have scored yet alone two rounds. Like I don't, I mean, to me, it was a shutout to me. It was 50, 40, 45. If not, you throw in some 10 eights in there for those first mm -hmm. two rounds, whatever. But like, where's the one round Cheeto one yet alone two? never mind three. And so it of course is a relatively inexperienced at this level judge from Texas that you just go like, what are we, what are we doing? I get that you want to get these men and women opportunities, you want to give them chances to prove themselves, to learn, to gain experience. That's not how you do it. No. Nah. And nah. it's crazy that Sanhagen and, and, and uh, Vera, they're the same age. But you look at them and you think like Vera's much, much older. 
right? Like it just he has an aura around him that's different. And uh, Sanhagen, man, he's he's hitting in his prime, man. I think Sterling showed like what you need to do against Sanhagen. You need to slow him down, put him on the ground. But man, his yeah. ground game is getting better. He wasn't afraid to go to the ground. He 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 took down Vera to show like, yo, we're gonna go to the ground too, and you're not gonna know what I'm gonna do throughout this whole fight and even if i have to get a a, a decision win i'm going to get a decision win because at the end of the day at that level like at the top five you all that matters is, is you win it doesn't matter right. how you win right because even a split decision controversial split decision that will get you a title shot right because why you won the fight it doesn't matter what dana white thinks about how the judges score the fight it's just you won right because we've seen guys on the other side where they didn't deserve the split decision win and right. then they got a title shot right in the in the past TJ Dillashaw won a won a debated split decision over Corey Sandhagen and yeah. then was off for a year and then fought for a title. So it happens. And I mean, hopefully nobody lingers on that split decision. Nobody looks at it down the road and is like, it becomes another one of those fights where we're like, look, it was scored a split decision, but they're stupid and he won clearly. And we we sort of qualify it and we we talk about the asterisks yeah. all the time. But I mean, he looked great and he's always been that guy to me in this division that has of all those elite fighters and, and we'll excuse Henry Cejudo for right now. Cause he's, he had been on the shelf. Corey Sandhagen to me was always the most complete of these guys, right? Cause he could do a little bit of everything. Now Aljo showed in coming out and jumping on his back and being the human Jan sport that he is, this is a way to beat him. I can have my specialty. Rob Dwalishvili would be, a super interesting fight because we saw what Marab did to Piotr Jan a couple weeks ago, but Sanhagen's a problem, man, because he can do he can do everything. And give me give me Sanhagen and Dvalishvili as soon as we can, like sometime this summer. Let's go, give him five rounds and let them get after it. Yeah, he's do kids even wear jazz sport anymore? Is that a thing? I don't know. It's still yeah. just. I mean. Aljo said it. Aljo said it once, and I was oh. like, "Yep, I'm holding on to that forever." Okay, okay. Yeah. I guess you know because he's much older than younger than me. So, uh, you know, when I was yeah, a exactly. kid, yeah, when exactly. I was in middle school, jazz sport was the thing, right? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So you know, old school reference. I That's guess, right. Uh, Appreciate it. Might be still it. around. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting position you have for Sanhagen, and I thought he made a mistake by calling out Marav. Not a mistake, as in like it's a mistake of of like. The, the fight being a mistake because I feel like he's skilled enough to beat Marab, man. People think Marab has become this mythical character that can't be beaten. There's nobody that can't be beaten in that division. You know what I mean? He's lost already. You know what I mean? To, right. Twice, I think, in the UFC yeah. already. So, lost split decision are... in his debut and then yeah. lost to Ricky Simone in his second fight where he got choked out and put to sleep at the end of the, end of the fight itself. To me, the more impactful fight, the more interesting fight is the Sean O'Malley fight because of the striking, because of the movement. And I feel like that would draw more attention to Corey Sanigan. Corey Sanigan is not here to, to talk trash no. and, and, and degrade people. But the only way to, to get more people on your side is to beat the guy that is garnering all the attention. And I feel like Sean O'Malley garners the most attention in that division, not Marab. Marab has a fan base. He has a country behind him. But – you know, I think he should have been calling out Sean O'Malley, you know, throw something out of left field because he's been talking about Marab the whole week. And then you come to the uh, post-fight interview and you go out there and you say, oh, Sean O'Malley, 
Where you at? You you know, are you scared? You know what I mean? Like you could throw some some of those in so, there. Just some so he was talking about wanting to call out his, I think his original intention going into the week was to call out Sean O'Malley and say, oh, look, really? that's, that's the next guy. And just before we jumped on, I was reading something where they talked to him um, Saturday after his fight and his post-fight availability. And they were like, I thought it was going to be Sean O'Malley. And he was like, look, it seems like the UFC wants him for the next title shot. So he's just kind of hanging out and waiting his turn. I know Marab is a guy that just wants to stay active, wants to fight within three, four months. That's the fight I can get. He also said he thinks Marab is a, is a tougher test, is a more interesting test. Given what he just did to Piotr Jan, I don't necessarily disagree. Like, I'm with you. If you want to give me Corey Sanhagen and Sean O'Malley, I will take it every day and twice on Sundays. But I'm okay with him calling out Marab because they're two guys that just want to stay active, right? O'Malley seems like he's waiting to see what happens with Aljo and Henry Cejudo. Fine get those other two in there and in june or july and away we go yeah the whole barab and and aljo situation where they're like friends and they won't fight each other unless you give them a lot of money which means they'll fight each other at the end of the day that's what they're saying right if you give me a lot of money we're gonna fight each other then you're gonna fight each other that's what it sounds like like i don't understand why you don't want to give opportunities to your friend or give opportunities for each other to to advance in your career. You know what I mean? Like, especially if it's at the highest level. If it's for the title, then that could be an excuse to go in there and fight each other, right? If it's for, like, number one contender, I could see why you would right. fight each other. That's what we always heard, right, from, from these guys from the same camp, training partners, things like that, close friends. Well, we're not going to fight unless it's for a title. The only way these two dudes are going to fight is if it's for the title, because Aljo's got the belt. And Marab's number one. Now, if Aldo doesn't retain the title, that's another conversation. But as you said, like, if it's for the title, you're both getting extra extra pay for it being a championship fight. What? Why not? Like, yeah. you fight each other every day in the gym. Every day? You battle every day in the gym. Why not get paid? Why not exactly. go out there and get paid? One of you is leaving with, with gold. One of you gets a loss. Nobody's feeling bad for it. Nobody's... There's not going to be any bad blood. There's not, you know, Aljo's not going to get up there and talk mess about Marab. Reverse isn't going to happen either. Go get paid. Go fight for a belt. Fight each other for the belt. I wish they would just take the the pro wrestling approach and just create a fake feud with each other, even though they're friends behind the <laughs> scenes. They just create a fake feud with each other. You know what I mean? And because and, they, they probably talk to each other about it, right? Fighting each other or not fighting each other. I mean, Aldo and, would be a great heel. He was yeah, just, he he's, would. he's built to be a heel. Exactly. Just all of a sudden, super kick him through the, through the window of the barbershop. There you yeah, go. They, they could choreograph the whole thing, right? <laughs> Because nowadays everything is yeah. is choreographed, right? The, right. the the whole like I ran into him backstage and we went face to face, and then right. all of these cameras are out and they're facing each other and they're talking a little smack. Yeah. Him and even him and it Cerruto. just so happens we caught this on camera. Sure. Exactly, yeah. exactly, right? And and they could even have their little teammates, right? You know, have some have a little have a little one. have a little dust up at Extreme Couture one day. Exactly. Sparring goes a little hard. You get a few extra few of the other guys that are there in there get eric nixick involved yeah dennis davis get everybody picking sides and pulling them apart and everybody the gets U paid the ufc would be all about that 
nowadays oh you understand. god could you imagine best friends training partners all these years suddenly it's a blood they're feud enemies. and they're enemies yeah it'd be great we've had it Kobe covered to the Hori Basketball and look at what that morphed into right they yep. they fought each other and uh, I don't you know even if it's fake it's still something the casual fans wouldn't even pick up on they would just no. think it's real yeah and and they would love it they would click on it, right? TMZ, you know what I mean? They would hop on it. Like that. Yeah. that's what they want. The UFC wants the the mainstream, so to say, mainstream media to hop on and 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 uh, promote the UFC. And if that's the way you can do it, why not? Why not do it? And you get paid sponsorships, all of that good stuff. Robs the good guy, the 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 immigrant mentality, and and yeah. and, uh, and Aljo is the Aljo is the, the entitled champion. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's going on his podcast, fit. running down his his former friend yeah yeah great. you know be great hit him with a chair or something brought you know? him out here to vegas let him stay at my house he didn't pay me any rent yeah, wouldn't pay yeah. for groceries had yeah. to kick him out he yeah. stole my jewelry we you got you I mean? we got you all set guys <laughs> he stole my jewelry and then marab's wearing his jewelry in an interview why not why big gold chain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect yeah. aljo marab we got you sorted out give us a shout exactly orin hodek um, ko reps get in my dms we'll we'll make this happen you know it works. You know why you know it works? It's because Colby Covington's doing it right all now. the time. Right yeah. now, as we Constantly. speak, he's doing yeah. it. And people are eating it up, right? Like, you and me, we know what's going on. It's like, it is what it is. But the people, the the regular people, the fans of the sport, they are eating it up. Even if, if they hate it, they're clicking on it, right? And right. you could create a narrative if you really wanted to. But uh uh, these guys, they don't want to do that at no. the end of the day. You know what I mean? It's a fantasy for us. We would yeah. love to see it. I appreciate but, uh, them not doing it. Like, I appreciate yeah. the – I talked to Murab before his fight with Piotr Jan and asked him about it. Like, what's it mean that Aljo is willing, right, is said. Like, if if I'm standing in the way of my guy fighting for the title, I will give up the belt and go up. Now, some of that is the weight cut is miserable and he thinks he can compete at, at 45, which I think he certainly can. I would challenge Alex Volkanovsky before I gave up the belt. Then I would, yeah. then I would do that. But he was like, look, what more can I ask for? Like, this is my best friend. This is one of my closest friends in the world. And he's willing to do that for me. Like, why would I ever fight somebody that's willing to do something that magnanimous for me? I'd love for them to fight. It'd be great. The feud that we just cooked up would be amazing, but it is also pretty cool to see that relationship the way that it is at the top of that division. Yeah, you could respect it, right? But then it's like still one. There's only there's only a short window for these yeah. fighters, and it's it's like the NFL. You only have a certain amount of years where you can make the most amount of money for the highest level of the athletes, right? Yep. And you got to take advantage of that. If you don't, are you going to regret it fifteen years down the line where you're when you're working as an Uber driver? Because I was watching a video talking about these like crypto millionaires that are Uber drivers now because they lost all their money because they spent it during that window and pretty much spent it on nothing. And now right. they're, they're at the bottom of the barrel and, and that could be happening. We know what the, you know, how the story ends for a lot of fighters, right? They don't take advantage of the, the moments and then later on they regret it. So I, hopefully I hope, I hope that they don't regret like not fighting each other. Cause that's a big payday. And you mentioned Piotr Jan. I guarantee you, he will fight his best friend for the title. Like that would <laughs> yes. be no problem. There's zero hesitation. With <laughs> Corey, Corey Sanhagen too, right? Yeah. Like if his best friend was in the division, they would dap it up and then they would get after it. Yeah. And uh, Corey, him working with um, 
with uh, Ryan Hall. I think that's something that we got to really watch because, you know, he got choked out by Aljo, and I think that really put a fire underneath him, and and he's working very close. He was in the corner, right? Yep. He was one of the corner men. He has a pretty, really, really, really good corner. He has his head coach. I think his name is Christian something. Yeah, Christian and Allen. Then, and then you got uh, Banks, Coach Banks, who's yep. also a fighter, his wrestling coach, and you got Ryan Hall. Phenomenal co- uh, corner right yeah. there. And, uh, yeah, those guys are building a champion right now, and you guys need to watch that. If you're if you're not paying attention to Corey Sanhagen, those guys are building a champion right now. He's going to be fighting for the title in the next year. I believe. Yeah, yeah, the adjustments he's made since those those two close fights. just And it's it's small stuff, right? If you're not watching them every fight, if you're not paying close attention, you can miss it. But he's made adjustments. We've seen it in terms of the wrestling and mixing that in more. That's, as you said, Carrington Banks, very good wrestling coach, fighter himself. Christian Allen has always had the striking on point. The Ryan Hall edition is interesting, right? Because... Because the wizard don't play on the ground. And if you if you're going going to be there, right? You're adding the wrestling in. If you're going to be there, that's a dude that I want telling me some different stuff that I can try and that I can get into. We saw him looking for a couple of things yesterday against mm-hmm. Cheeto in those early rounds. Nothing was there for him, but just to have that in the back pocket of like, I've continued to work with Ryan Hall, who has shown me X, Y, and Z makes him more dangerous going forward. If you're watching live, make sure you guys comment and uh, we'll put that on the screen um, and go in the descriptions, download the All-Star app, make your picks for UFC events, win prizes. Uh, if you're watching the replay, same thing. You know what I mean? Go in the descriptions, download that app. Now, let's move on to the co-main event, Holly Home, 41 years old and still whipping that ass. Like, what? Like this, I, I'm lost for words. 41 years old. You don't see 41 year old women out there, especially with that gas tank. The the pace that she was putting on on Santos, and uh, it almost seemed like Holly Holm was putting on the game plan that Santos was trying to put on her. Mm-hmm. Right? They almost like they had like 100%. the same game plan, right? It's just Holly Holm was better. Is that what you saw? And Holly Holm for the last, you have to give her credit, right? And And I've been fortunate enough to talk to Holly a bunch over the course of her career and my career. And we always sort of joke and laugh about she's famous for that head kick, right? Obviously we all understand it's the moment that's always going to lead the description or lead the highlight reel of Holly Holm. She has spent her entire career working to become a more well-rounded fighter and people haven't necessarily responded to it because they just want to see the head kicks. They just want to see her knock people's heads off. She's gotten to a point now where she doesn't have to box. She doesn't have to kickbox. She went out and out wrestled Yana Santos on Saturday thoroughly. Like in that second and third round when she figured out, oh, I can put her on the ground and control her here and dominate her here. I'm just going to do it. She didn't look like a kickboxer in those moments. She looked like somebody that has been working her butt off with Izzy Martinez on her wrestling with her grappling coaches all of that stuff. She was looking for those submissions, almost got a couple. She's it's, it really is impressive to see somebody, as you said, 41 years old, continuing to develop, clearly continuing to improve and still hungry to get out there and fight the best in the division, despite some tough losses, despite being in a position where she's probably got to keep going through the Yana Santos of the world and win three, four five straight fights in order to get another championship opportunity 
she seems ready to do it. She seems interested in doing it. And as a 44 year old that couldn't imagine doing that, I have to tip my cap to her. Yeah, you have to, you know, um, Preston Kessel ring yawn home fought someone on a two year layoff. That is true. That is true. You know, you make a point there, Preston. Um, some people are not going to be impressed by that. The reason why is like you just said, people remember her for the head kick knockout. They want to see that. They want to see her throw strikes. They want to see her throw head kicks. They want to see her break someone down with the body. But lately, she's been fighting for longevity, I believe. And I've, I believe that she's been fighting to, to rise up the ranks without taking as much damage as well. And, and when you go into the clinch and you take someone down, you're very rarely taking much damage because you're on top and you're putting the damage on, on right. your opponent. And I think that that's what we're going to see with her. Unless there's a striker that that can like, you know, give her a little bit of a challenge, right, on the feet. But uh, I don't know. It's gonna take something. Holly Holmes, she's in an interesting spot too, because Yana, she came off uh, a two-year layoff. I think it's probably more than a two-year layoff. Uh, yeah, around a two-year layoff. But uh, yeah, usually when women come back from pregnancy, the first fight they don't look like themselves. We've right. seen it a couple of times, like um, Mackenzie Dern. Her yep. first fight, Lost she came Amanda, back. He bought her first fight yeah, back. Yeah, her first, and then after that, she's she's done really well, right, for herself. It's just you gotta, you know, knock off that rust and and coming back to uh, like a contender fight. It's not something that, and that's and that's right. what I was gonna say is like to Preston's comment. Sure, yes, Yana Santos hasn't fought since July 2021. Prior to Saturday, she could have fought four months ago, and Holly Holm would have delivered that same performance. That to me was a fight going in that Holly Holm is historically, if you look throughout her career, that's the fight she wins. She wins those every single time. The ones where she struggles mostly have been championship fights. And then the Ketlin Vieira fight where she controlled a lot of it, but just didn't do any, any damage in that fight. And so while I get the comment, while I understand it, yes, Yana Santos hadn't fought in almost two years and is coming off a pregnancy and all of those things. This could have been two fighters meeting after the exact same amount of time off, and it would have went the exact same way, in Rob, my opinion. Rob says uh, Holly Holm is adjusting the timetable for female fighters. She is. She is adjusting it because, man, phenomenal shape. It's not like she's coming in looking like she's really old. Right. Like her body looks actually better than ever, it seems like. Right? It's just six-fight deal as well. She signed with the UFC. They locked her down. They said, hey – if we're going to have you, we're going to have you for a long time. So she's probably going to retire in that octagon. I could see that happening eventually. I don't know if it ain't anytime soon, but I could see that happening. We, we got a, a, a decent list of future opponents for Holly Holm as well. You know, you got Juliana Pena, who's sitting at number one. You could actually give her that fight if you really wanted to. Um, you could give her a, a rematch maybe to, uh, uh, what is it? What's her name? Irene Aldana. Yep. Yeah, do that again. rematch wouldn't be too bad. I think that would be all right. Why not? You know what I mean? I think you should like give her the fights that's going to make her fight, right? Make her maybe even like someone that can defend the takedowns. And then now she has to fight on the feet, which is a Juliana Pena, right? Don't you yeah. think? I mean, the other one that I like is if, if Misha Tate gets a win over uh, Myra Bueno Silva here in a couple of weeks. Just what a that heartbreaker one that first fight was for her, right? Oh my she God, was I was there. The whole fight. I was there. Oh, okay. I was like 
literally in the process of writing Holly Holm successfully defends her title and Misha spins her to the ground and jumps on her back. And I was like, Oh my God. And then we go to the main event and it's the same thing. Conor McGregor is starting to, Oh no, wait, what just happened? They just hit him with what? Oh my God. Bonkers. Bonkers. Yeah, one of the greatest uh, comeback finishes in, in, in UFC history, that Misha Tate fight. And Absolutely. it was a title fight. That's what's so insane. You know, Needed that never... takedown. Needed that finish. Got it in the final minute. Incredible. Yeah, I think people forget about that fight. They forget about that comeback win because it's not the head kick knockout, shotgun, right. bang, you know, that, that Leon Edwards style. Um, I, I, uh, I, I like those two options. I think Misha Tate wins her next fight against uh, Silva. Right. Yeah. Because Silva, she, I mean, and, and, if a dark wins, horse. and if Silva wins, then Holly Holmes yeah. right there. Keep her moving forward against former champions and she were see where she gets to because the division needs either fresh names or a big name. And so that to me is a is a no no lose situation for the UFC. Silva is a dark horse in that division. I've been saying that since her last win. I think this year she's getting the fights that she needs to to, to grow her stock, especially with the uh the Misha Tate fight. But yep. yeah, I think you should fast track her because she has the skill set to beat a lot of girls. And she's interesting. She's funny. You know what I mean? If you've seen her like post-fight interviews, like talking about monsters, energy drink, why don't I have this sponsor? You know what I mean? Like uh, you want people like that. And uh, yeah, I think this division is starting to shake up now a little bit with like Silva. I think Silva's going to roll up and, and Pennington's making a second run, right? The, the shadow of that like... Lost to uh, Amanda Nunez. She's getting further and further away from it. It's still going to yeah. pop up, right? People are gonna, still going to bring it up, but she's getting further and further away from it. Well, and, and it's going to be good. And so much went into that fight. Like so much happened before that fight, right? She was off for almost two years. She had a horrific ATV accident where she almost lost her leg. Almost wasn't like, almost wasn't ever going to fight again. And then you come back and your first fight back is, oh, go to Brazil and fight this monster. What? What do you expect of her? It just, yeah. it wasn't her night. These things happen in MMA, as Gus Johnson once famously said. So she's looked really good since. If she goes out there and give her another opportunity, she's earned it. She's somebody that is, if it's not the next title fight, then it's Juliana Pena and you two can decide it. Preston says, uh, 100% agree on the Pena fight, the only fight that makes sense. And then he adds, Pena seems stuck on the rematch. Of course she's stuck on the rematch because she wants a chance to fight for right. the title again. But does it seems like the UFC, they're not interested in that. They're trying to – to be honest with you, I think they're trying to bring Holly Holmes up to fight for the title again I for mean, some reason. I, so I don't know any of this. I'm not reporting anything. I'm not – this is pure speculation on my part. I think they went into UFC 285 and if Valentina Shevchenko won, defended her title – they would have tried to make that for a third time, bring her up, have her fight Amanda that got scuttled. And now it's like, okay, well, what do we do? So yeah, Juliana Pena is there as an option. Raquel Pennington is there as an option. Like I'm just, I can't get excited for a third fight between Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena right now. Not the way, like the two fights. Yes. The, the upset was memorable, mm. but it wasn't a great fight. Like, it wasn't a fight where I was like, oh, this is an amazing fight, and we got this upset. It was just kind of a sloppy, ugly, and we got an upset. And then the, the second fight was one-sided. 
that's what Pena needed to win the fight, though. She needed the sloppy. I mean, I I agree. And so if if they want to do it, if they're, listen, I'm going to watch it. Mm. I will get excited by the time it rolls around because Amanda Nunes is back. And I love watching Amanda Nunes fight for the most part. But I would rather either somebody fresh, that Raquel Pennington fight, as we said, it's been enough time now that I'd like to see her get the opportunity. I mean, if if Val doesn't want an immediate rematch with Alexa Grasso, come up anyways. Yeah, that could be an option. Um, You also have like Irene Aldana. That was like talked about, right? There was rumored that that fight was going on. And that would be the freshest matchup in that top five right there because – or Caitlin Vieira, right? She's she's beaten Pena, she's beaten Pennington, she's beaten home. She just hasn't yeah. fought Vieira or Aldana. You would want that. Maybe two Brazilians in Brazil. You put Vieira versus uh I don't know if Vieira's even coming off a win though. She's not. Yeah, that's the problem, right? And Aldana, she's coming off a win, I believe. You could put that there. If they do a Mexico card, maybe they're cooking something up for Mexico and that's just what they're waiting for five title fights in Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Let's get yeah. every Mexican, every Mexican contender or yeah. champion fighting on the same card. Do a, do a four fight main card with Amanda Nunes against Irene Aldana, Alexa Grasso defending her belt. Uh, Yair Rodriguez in the unification against Alex Volkanovsky and Brandon Moreno defending his belt. Just four title fights. First time for everything in the UFC. Oh, if if it did, that would be just phenomenal for the Mexican fan base. But re- rea- realistically, I think like we'll have Brandon and maybe Amanda as champions defending their titles if they could put that Mexico card together. I don't think, I don't know. It's it's hard to like. I don't know. I don't think Valentina Shevchenko would agree to fight in Mexico, and and Volkanovski. I don't think he would agree to fight in Mexico. Volk's the one that I'm not sure of. Yeah. That's the one to me where it's like, wait, I have to go there yeah. to defend my belt. Like I've never lost in this division in the UFC and I've got to go fight a road game against this guy. Yeah. Like who, who maybe shouldn't have been fighting for the title. That doesn't seem exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, you could do that one and you could do that one in Vegas or somewhere in August and then figure out September in, in Mexico city with the flyweights and, and go from there. Yeah. They, those two fights would be phenomenal for yeah. uh, for mexico um make sure you guys go in the descriptions download the all-star app throw your comments in in the chat and uh yeah let's move on to the next next topic from ufc san antonio uh, i would like to bring this up on the screen and uh this is one of the best this is one of the best guys that i want to hear speak on any post fight let's just put him on here and see what he said L- listen to this guy Look at this bicep. Look at this bicep. Nate I, the train, baby. I love Nate the train. Nate the train. Look at this bicep. Yeah, yeah. yeah, look at look at this. <laughs> what was the line? I can't remember the line. It was and I it ended sucker, with it ended with and I ain't bad to look like ain't bad to look at either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look like at that. this bicep. The fu- yeah. the greatest part is his bicep. You like you would think like oh, like a Sage Northcut bicep, right? <laughs> but it's not. It's like his bicep looks like a normal person's bicep, right? But he says Nate the train, baby. Nate the train. I love a- somebody. Somebody said it yesterday, and I I apologize to whoever it was, but after it because he he had the like Nate the train in the UFC, 
he's been in the UFC for like three or four years, but he's still like amazed by it every every time he's out there. Give me all the Nate Landwehr, all of it. Like if Great he can fight four though. times a year, let's go. He he's a legit threat, man. Like the dude is a he's a he's a killer. He's he's a guy that marches forward, has like good power, has a granite chin. We see yeah. that in his last fight or his, even his first fight. Um, and come back. He can come back from being down and 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 win fights. The and I, I thought Austin Lingo was was uh tough enough, right? Because he he's a tough dude to yep. to last this to the decision. But man, Nate the train goes in there and uh sucker punch rear naked choke. Is that what he said? Like yeah. he punched him and like his like from shouts behind out, when he was like shouts out his management the whole nine. Yeah. Yeah. His mouthpiece falls out, like flies out and just wraps up the choke and, and gets the win. Um, very, very impressive stuff, man. What did you think of Nate the Train? And now I think he's on like a three-fight win streak, I believe. So yeah. what do you what do you what do you see in him, man? Like what where do you put him now? Three fight I mean, wins. I mean, as you said, he's a guy that right now he's outside of the top 15. I think that remains the case when the rankings update. Cause I don't think beating Austin lingo necessarily, despite it being impressive is going to get him into the rankings. Cause, cause featherweight is pretty, pretty loaded through the top 15, but he's a guy that like, if you're a hopeful coming up, if you're one of those guys holding on to one of the spots in the bottom third of the division, you don't want that paperwork coming across the desk that says you and Nate Landwehr. Cause like, as you said, He's been through championship fights over an M1. He's got five-round experience. Granite chin, we saw that in the fight with David Onama. Can finish you. He doesn't mind getting dirty. He doesn't mind getting grimy. That's a tough out every time. And like every division needs dudes like Nate the Train. He is one of a kind. He is a one of one. But every division needs somebody like that. So if I'm, you know, anybody that's that's trying to make some headway, that's trying to move forward, like, if I'm a guy like Mavsar Ivloyev, who's been off for a little bit, who needs a little bit of a reset, I don't want those problems. I, I would pick Ivloyev. I think he still beats him, but like it becomes one of those like real tough fights that's got high risk, low reward all over it. And so I just want to see Nate continue to fight like every four months, every five months and see what he can do. See if he can put something together and, and get himself into that top 15. Because he's... Yeah. He's got the skills. He does. He does got the skills. He's all around good fighter, and he has the and, intangibles. And he's got the biceps. Yeah, he's got the. He's got the. Look at this bicep, like he, his and his accent, as well, puts another layer to it. Right? Oh, the, the Tennessee drawl is yeah. is something. I talked to yeah. him before. It might have been before his debut, and it took me a minute. It took me a second to do the like. Hang on, what he just say? I got to get this thing adapted into my brain of like, mm. get through it. Cause it's, it's heavy and it's, it's syrupy and it's, it's pretty, he's a character, man. That's, that's a dude that stands out. You remember him. Yeah, you got him, man. It's, you know, being like vanilla is, is, you know, just, just some people, right. It's just what they are. Right. But then when you got someone like Nate, the train and he's got the Tennessee draw and like even even when Habib started talking speaking English, right? He had his little quirks and stuff, but that was what made him, right? Right. Grab attention. He yeah. made headlines because of that. He's like, it's it's not it's not speaking English properly, it's speaking English in your way, 
mm-hmm. and, and making it work for you. And, and telling think... Michael Johnson that he might as well just quit because I have to fight for the title. You know, this. <laughs> yeah. that was the best. That was what it was for me. Like I, I was in on the skills, but then mid fight when he's like, you should just give up because I must fight for the title. You, you understand <laughs> this right here. Continue mashing you. No, you're not going to quit. Great. I'm going to take your arm and twist it behind your back. And you're going to, exactly, you're going to quit. Exactly. This just, it's just what you need, man, to draw attention and Nate to train. He's going to get a great matchup. Uh, Preston's talking about LaRon oh, Murphy. Would, yep. A hundred percent. That's go. a great fight. I'm in on you that. Know who, you know who called him out? Nate to train? Josh Kulabau. That's a great fight as well. I'd, yep. I'd be in on that. Yeah. Give Josh me all, like this division in that second 15, there's a whole bunch of dudes that are in the same spot of trying to keep moving forward, trying to get ahead. I mean, if you wanted to give me Nate, the train and Nathaniel Wood when he gets healthy, sign me up for that. Like there's, there's options. Just get him back yeah. in there, get him back in there in, in four months. Those are all toss up fights as well. It's not like, Oh, I favored this guy or that. Those are toss up fights. Yep. Those are really, really good fights. And, and I, I, I would enjoy all of them, man. Um, I can't wait to see Nate to train again. You know, I think that they need to do some kind of like profile on him, you know, in the UFC. You know how the he UFC. Needs to show, yeah, he needs to show up on UFC Connected. Yeah, something. Megan O'Leary, right? like, we need it. We need a profile on Nate to train. Take Nate to go back to Tennessee go to Clarksville, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, see what see what day to day life is like for Nate the train. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like go to like I, I when I envision like where he grew up, I could see him like on like a farm with a creek and like he like he has a tractor trailer, you know what I mean? Like fishing and, with a stick with just a exa- piece of fishing line. Exactly. Like what what's that what's that book? Um I forgot. It's a book that they make every kid read when they're young in, in the US. Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, Huckleberry exact I got you. Why is he not dressed up as Huckleberry Finn? <laughs> <laughs> why is Coming he not- so he needs he needs to borrow brian barberina's overalls and get himself a straw <laughs> hat and just come out with a fishing rod and be nate the train i mean to be told truth be told he looked fly as hell showing up yesterday yeah had the blue well, suit on he looked yeah. good showing up at at media stuff he's a sharp looking man yeah good he looking is, to man. boot and he's got those biceps yeah he's got we the need biceps. more nate we need more nate the train content but we need the overalls and the 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 wheat what is it the the hay in his in his lip with the with the with the hat on we need that we need we need something we need a promo you know what i mean nate the train need to get on the social media and do his promos right hype um you know about the caceres fight yeah oh, yeah that's a beautiful fight as yeah. well man like that featherweight division like that that like little pocket right there where you got like Kulabau and Nate the train and and Laron Murphy and, yeah. and Cassera. Those are just amazing fights. There's so many like throw being a all the names in a hat and just yeah. exactly like how easy whatever two you pull out, great. You works. give them Let's a call go. and say, hey, this is what who we got for you. This is who we, can you make this date? All right. It's I don't think it's that difficult, right? I don't think it's that difficult. There's a picture on his Instagram where he's got a a Paul Felder esque mustache yeah i need that i need i need <laughs> nate the train fighting with a push broom one day yeah, let's go sure. all right all right let's uh let's remove this and let's move on to the next topic which is macy barber getting a split decision is that what happened yeah split decision win over um andrea lee um 230 27 for 
Macy Barber, and 128-29 for Andrea Lee. What what did you think about those scorecards? I thought Macy Barber won every round, and it wasn't even particularly close. Like, we we need to have – it's like every four to six months, we need to have the conversation again. And, and shout out to my guy, Sean Sheehan, at Severe MMA, my boss at, at Severe MMA, the pod god himself, the, the man that is the authority on MMA judging and the criteria. We need to have the conversation every four to six months because it seems like people forget that these fights are scored on damage. First and foremost, like, this is what we're looking for. So all that wonderful control time that they talked about Andrea Lee accumulating and she did well to control me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't do anything. If you're not doing damage, if you're not threatening with submissions, if you're not coming close to finishing that fight, Macy Barber punching you in the mouth a bunch of times really hard before it got to the ground or elbowing you as she did on the ground for several moments is what wins that fight, is what wins that round. And I thought throughout, Macy Barber landed the more telling blows. She did more damage. She had more impactful striking throughout that fight. She did well to wrestle at times. There's still some IQ stuff and some decision-making stuff that I'd love to see her improve, but she's 24. And so there's still room to grow. Like to me, this wasn't, this is another one of those fights on this card where was it really a split decision? Like I'll go back and watch it again. Cause I record everything and I'm a nerd that watches fights over and over again, but I thought it was 3027 Barber. And so when it came out a split decision, it was like, oh, right, Texas. Yeah, Texas is atrocious. Texas. And we're going to get more into that Texas judging. <laughs> but um, uh, this is a fight that I, I missed. I missed this fight. The reason why I missed this fight, uh, you know, I could talk like I watched it. I could talk <laughs> like I watched it. Right? I appreciate but, this. I appreciate I, this honesty. The only part that I saw of that fight, because I was busy doing an interview with uh the boys over at tapped out and they do a live show on the radio and i was doing an interview about the card and you know about ufc 287 but i was watching bits of it like in my peripheral on on my computer and i just saw i think it was the first round where andrew lee was on top but then uh macy barber trapped her her back arm with her thighs and was just elbowing her from the bottom. Right. And I was just like, Whoa, that's an interesting position to be in. And you're just controlling her. I wonder how tight those thighs are as well. Like, <laughs> dang, she's like, I've never seen anybody just control someone's wrist with their thighs like that. Usually it slips out cause it's sweaty. Right. You know what I mean? And you're wearing gloves, but uh, somehow, man, she's just, she's a, she's, a, she's an animal, man. And uh, I saw that. And I was like, yeah, she's doing more damage in that position from what I saw of the fight. I didn't see the rest of the fight. I have no idea what happened, but then there was an outrage online about the scorecards and and why uh, she got thirty twenty seven. But when you explain it like that for somebody that didn't watch the fight, and you said she did the more damage, and I feel like in fighting, it's about damage. It's not about who danced around more. It's not the, about the actual looked. rules, the actual criteria. And as as my guy Sean will say, it's three pages. It's just three pages. Go read it. It's not that long damage it doesn't say the actual word damage i don't i don't believe i haven't read him in a while but i know what the rules are it's damage effective striking is basically damage it's it's the immediate impactful versus the is weighed heavily more heavily than the cumulative so if i hit you with one good shot we had cheeto vera in the main event right it's the cheeto vera rob font fight is the perfect example of that rob font outlanded cheeto vera by like a hundred strikes over the course of that fight, every single round, 
he outlanded Cheeto Vera. But Cheeto's shots were doing so much more impact, having such a greater impact that he won that fight running away. That's that's what you need to know. Those are the things you need to know. If it's on the ground and nobody's doing anything, there's no damage. It it doesn't matter if Andrea Lee holds Macy Barber on the ground for two and a half minutes, that it doesn't do anything. Macy Barber, as you said, pinned her arm behind her back and elbowed her in the face a bunch of times. That's the effect of striking. That's the damage. That's the impact. That's what matters. Damage and and uh, yeah, and then there's the confusion over like what is exactly a significant strike. Like I don't think that I think there should be strikes landed, and then there should be something else, not significant strikes, because sometimes significant strikes is just too high. Like that many significant strikes, and the dude's not dead. Like that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, but uh, but like what you said. The rules say it's damage is number one. And that's that's what I agree upon. I agree upon damage. Like, this is fighting. You're fighting to take out your opponent, to put them unconscious, to choke them out, to break their arm, break their... Like, that's damage, right? I think that should be number one. And if it's like that, then why not? Why not? And uh, let's get to some of these comments. We got uh, Dirty Ridge 22. I thought Barber nipped the fight. Dirty Ridge also says, well, well said, ESK. Well said. Preston. Uh, don't see how people see how Barber stole the fight. Barber won every round. Jennifer Maya should be the next challenge. Oh, that's actually a not a bad fight. That's not a bad fight. Uh, she'll Dirty Red is already back at it. She'll beat Maya too. Hopefully, more convincing though. Um, Preston, yeah, possibly. I love to see Barber versus Chukagian if UFC would like to test her. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd be more interesting. I'd be more interested in that than Jennifer Maya. Because I think Jennifer Maya would box her up the same way she did Casey O'Neill a couple weeks ago in London. I was surprised that Andrea Lee was able to, like, from what I heard of the fight, control her on the ground. I was surprised about that. I would have thought that Marver would be the one to take it to the ground if possible. And Andrea to, like, Lee's got some good, she's always had some good she's wrestling. Good. Yeah. She's, she's, had, she's, a, she's solid in the middle of that division, in the middle of that top 15. I mean, I think for Macy, some of it is just still being being okay with accepting bad positions i mean she she did damage in the first round as we were talking about right pin that arm and and got off some strikes but there's a little bit too much accepting of all right i'm stuck here for a minute let me let me figure out what i'm doing it's still and look this is a function of being young it's a function of being relatively inexperienced for all the all the things we you know for as long as she's been in the ufc and as much as we've known about her, even coming through the regional ranks on her way up, that fight on Saturday was her 14th professional fight. So she's still relatively inexperienced. And I think that's just a function of that. As she continues to get older, as she continues to develop and work with the guys at Team Alpha Male, some of that will get get fixed, ideally. And, and we won't necessarily see it. But Andrea Lee's just another one of those. I mean, it's similar to Jen Maya. Like, just a really good veteran test in the middle of that division can do a little bit of everything isn't going to beat the elite in that division and is a perfect fighter for these kinds of matchups against people like Macy Barber and that ascending set. Yeah. There, there's three names, right? You got Chukagian, like three veteran names in that division that already fought for titles that you need to put like rising prospects against, which is Macy Barber, rising prospect Chukagian, Maya or Murphy. I think those are the three names you put in the hat you mix it around 
and whatever pops out, you put them on a date later this year, probably July International Fight Week, put her, put them on that card. I think that's a good showcase for, for Macy Barber because she's still developing. And uh, yeah, and why not? Why not put those names in there? Um, yeah, she's going to end up fighting Lauren Murphy. That's that's yeah. That's what I think it'll be. That's the car crash fight, right? Like the styles, they're kind of like similar stature. Yeah, like aggressive. Macy Barber might be able to dominate that fight, as we saw Jessica Andrade go out, and we saw Valentina Shevchenko two fights before that. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen Lauren Murphy be the like, yeah, I'm just gonna stay the in bull. your face. Yeah, yeah, the bull. Like she we did to it. like she did to Misha Tate. So yeah, be sure. a cool fight to see. Make sure you guys uh put your comments in in the chat. We'll throw them up there. Give us your thoughts on on these fights, uh, uh, and go in the descriptions. Download the All Star app. Go play UFC picks with us when you can. Um, now we got the 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 prelims, so to say. Uh, we had a bunch of performances there. We had a, a split decision win for Albert Duryev. You had the submission, guillotine choke, second round for Daniel Pineda. Lucas Alexander picking up his win, and Steven Peterson re- retiring. Trevin Giles with a split decision win against Preston Parson. And then you got that TKO comeback win uh, by CJ Vergara. And then Victor Alta Morano with the unanimous decision win. There's a lot of lot of talking points, but I think the the one that everybody's probably focused on is CJ Vergara taking the extreme beat that he took. And running, like running, running. circles. <laughs> Actively running actively running away okay this is a question i got for you about that fight if you're actively running away from your opponent like with your back should the fight be stopped like like distance like he ran distances so this is actually a question and my partner in crime harry powell and i will be sitting down to talk about this on the takeaways tomorrow because he messaged me of like isn't that exact same thing shouldn't that be considered because we've seen it right you're not supposed to turn your back to your opponent for a referee, they can, and we've seen it in the past, stopped fights because you've turned and walked away that you don't want to engage. The thing that I think will give that gives CJ Vergara that sort of leniency is you could see the urgency of I just need to get away and then reset. If he just kept running, if it was the you know forward version of the Caleb Starnes backpedal against Nate Quarry that I can see, but like this was the, I don't know, fast forwarded version of Carlos Condit constantly circling out against Nick, against Nick Diaz way back in the day, but with like urgency and being on roller skates and like, mm. just get me away from this guy for 30 seconds to breathe and then I'll be okay. But certainly a, a point that I think should be discussed because you're right. You, you're not supposed to turn your back. And actively running away from a guy is a real bad look. But then he came back and won in the second round. So, like, yeah. who are we to criticize at this point? Props to uh, uh, Herzog for, for not stopping that fight and uh, allowing it to continue. Um, what, when's the show? Like, so people that are watching, they could check it out? So, it will be up on Tuesday on the Severe MMA YouTube page. Go and check that out. It'll also be on their Patreon, on our Patreon. So, if you want to subscribe mm-hmm. to that, it's severemma.com forward slash pints. The best URL in the business. There you go. There you go. Um, Thanks for the free plug. Yeah, uh, no worries, man. No worries. Uh, yeah, Daniel Da Silva, man. Four, 
four fights in a row where it's pretty much the same thing that happens where he just can't get put out his opponents and then they just come back and win the fight by putting him out. Yeah. Um, that there's a reason why the UFC keeps him around because these are the type of fights that he gets. Yeah. Into. I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another one. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets one more shot. Yeah. After, he was, he was so close in the first round of that. He had some success in the first round of his debut, which was short notice back in the day against Jeff Molina. He had some success early in his fight with Victor Altamirano before this one. So like, he's also, I think he's only like 25, 26. Yeah. And so just another one of these kids that's a, that's a lunatic to start. And so, yeah, I mean, the UFC will keep him around for these action fights. We're all talking about him, right? Yeah. This is the end of the day we've gotten to a, a point in this sport or, or in the UFC where at certain points results don't actually matter as much as are we talking about them? Cause like we've seen people on three, four five fight winning streaks that just fade into the background. Danielson Silva's on a four fight losing streak and he's one of the five most talked about fighters from this card. He's uh he's turning into the the Sam Alvey of the, the flyweight division, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. That's what he's turning into. This but more exciting, just, right? But more, more exciting. exciting. Yeah. Yeah, more exciting. And with better walkout music. Yeah. Um there's a couple other topics and a about, uh, that fits. Yeah. <laughs> Trevin Giles, man, he he just gets this these decision wins, man. Like when he I don't know if it's deserving, but like he he gets decision wins. Like he's had a few in the past where he's gotten them, where people thought he lost a fight. But, you know, I guess, I don't know. I don't like to say, like, oh, you shouldn't have went to the judges because there, there's a reason why there's judges. The judges right. should be competent enough to judge the fight, to give it to the right Correct. fighter that won, right? And Correct. and I thought Preston Parsons won that fight, clearly. So did like, I. Clear as day, right? So he did I. Mount, submission attempts, like takedowns. Like, Giles hit him with a couple of good shots, but – Preston was the one marching forward, doing more damage. And I don't understand what they saw in that fight to give it to Giles. And, uh, man, it just, it's, it's so like, so Trevin Giles, Macy Barber, Macy Barber damage. Then Trevin Giles is the opposite. And he wins the fight. He, he has been one of the most frustrating fighters for me to watch throughout his career, because like that jab on Saturday night was, Mm. was crisp. Why aren't we just working behind that jab all the time? Like it's landing every time you throw it. It's busting up his eye and swelling up his eye. Why are we doing anything else until, until that, until he proves that that isn't going to work away we go. But instead there's always little moments where he gets caught or he gets out of position Mm -hmm. or he, and he did a great job for the most part of scrambling up in those takedowns of wrestling his way back to his feet and getting clear and getting back into space continue with that jab. I thought Preston Parsons won. It's not just because I picked him or anything like that. I thought he won that fight, but here's Trevin Giles on a two fight winning streak. So probably get a little step up in competition and man, if he could just, he feels to me like one of those guys. And I hate saying these things because people always blow it out of proportion of like, Oh, you don't, you don't have appreciation for the guys he's with appreciate the coaches that got him to where he is. I would love to see Trevin Giles go and do a camp at one of these larger gyms where he's working with more UFC caliber, high level guys, high level coaches that can take that athleticism that is clearly there, 
It's the guy that's got wins in the UFC in three weight classes, knocked out Ryan Spann on the regional circuit before he got to the UFC. Go work with one of these bigger gyms that's got a lot of bodies, that's got a lot of coaches that can refine that athleticism because he's always felt to me like a guy that is right on the cusp of being something special and he just hasn't ever really put it together consistently. The people in the comments, if you're talking about the, the barber fight, just rewind it after we're done and uh, you could hear all our thoughts on that. I'm not going to give you any spoilers, but, you know, Spencer goes off on that fight. So we'll see. <laughs> you guys just rewind and, and find that. Right. Yeah. So the judging, of course, is it's a big issue. Uh, even even the, the Chitty fight, you could have argued that he won yep. that fight as well. Right. Yep. Against uh, Duryev. I mean, judging it, it's it's always going to be a thing that we discuss, that we debate, and and people are. I understand the frustrations. Some of it we have to accept that some of this is subjective, right? Like this isn't straightforward. If fighter A does this and fighter B does that, then clearly fighter A wins. Like some of it is is just what you value, and it's three people sitting around an octagon where. Views are obstructed. Sometimes you don't see everything clearly. Some states they have monitors, some states they don't. You get different levels of officials. Sometimes it is those veteran names that we're all familiar with. And we had a bunch of those on Saturday with guys like Sal Diamato and Chris Lee and people like that that are tenured. But we also had a couple referees doing double duty, right? Jacob Montalvo and Dan Mergliata were, were judging as well as refing. And then we also have those local officials like Joel Ojeda, who, who scored that main event for Cheeto Vera. And so there's all kinds of stuff that goes into it. There's not an easy fix. I know everybody wishes there was an easy fix and that we could just straighten this stuff out because it does cost athletes money. It does cost people watching money. I'm sure there's lots of people that landed on the wrong side of split decision bets. Like I get all of those frustrations, but unfortunately there's some subjectivity to it and there's no easy fix. And so we've, we've just got to keep working with all of these commissions individually and just continue to train and teach and educate officials and the masses. That's the other part. People watching these fights need to learn and understand what the criteria is so that they're not just shouting into a void and shouting incorrect information. Damage, but 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 the, but the internet is for shouting into a void. So exactly, that's you what know, Twitter's it's, it's for. A, it's a stress stress reliever. That's what Twitter's for. Yeah, stress reliever. Dirty Reg says that I thought Chitty came back and won that one. Good uh, one. Good point. Yeah, I thought he lost the first one first round clearly because of the takedown, and he was just getting mauled basically in the first round. And in the second round, yep. they stood up and they were going to strike. You're why is Duryev trying to strike with a striker? Is you're gonna no basically idea. lose nine out of ten rounds with him, and that's what happened. I thought two rounds, he lost, and uh, but the judges didn't see that. Uh, Mustard Marcus Mustard was good. I thought Duryev lost. I thought Chitty Chitty Bang Bang won. Yeah, it's, I think a lot of people did, man. It's I think a lot of people bet on Chitty Bang Bang to win as well, and you know, like it kind of sucks for him because his mom came to his fight for the first time ever man and she had to she had to watch him actually win a fight but lose on the scorecards man it, you know it's it's it sucks for him man it does suck for him now 
moving on from from uh this card you know well connected to this card i just wanted to jump on some some news topics that's going on in the in the world of mma and and it's closely connected to this to this uh card which is the fury fc let's go into that fury fc card the main event uh we had uh fury fc what was it 76 right the main event referee frank Colazzo. Colazzo was actually one of the judges he was during this ufc san antonio card and look at this look at this uh look at what happened let's play this video for everybody to watch and uh, i would like to get your reactions after i play this video I think he's sleep already right there. Yeah. He's he's out. He's out. And you know that because he's not doing anything. He's how not, is the right? ref not even checking he's, the he, arms? See, this is my this is my frustration with it. This is my point of contention with it, is that he's not there's not even a check. There's not a go and lift the hand. There's not a I mean, we can't hear it, but there's not a audible. Let me know you're okay. Let me know you're with me, whatever. And then even here, right? Like the arm is so clearly hyperextended that at a certain point, and we've we've seen it in the past, right? Always going to reference the Frank Mir, Tim Sylvia fight where Herb Dean is just like, I don't care that you didn't tap. I just heard your arm break in multiple places. We're done here. But I mean- this is the the highest level of incompetence, right? Hopefully That's Gianni Vasquez is is relatively okay. Like I know he's talked about having some issues with his elbow already, but like hopefully it's nothing significantly long term. But like my man was out and the referee didn't even check on him. He's lucky. Like I'm I'm going to say he's lucky that his opponent switched to the arm bar and didn't continue with the choke. Because you know what happens when you hold on to the choke for too long. You could kill somebody. And imagine if yeah. that happened, man. If we go that far into the void and just think about that, dude, it would have crazy repercussions. And and I and, and you lost a life. You're like you are in control. This is the reason why the, the ref is there, is to keep people safe. Like I don't and the, understand. And the part that's crazy to me is that so this happened on Friday night instantly was a thing that everybody like it all the way up until the start of the UFC card and even through it was a thing. Everybody in the MMA community, the MMA online, MMA Twitter was talking about. And Frank Colazzo was working the UFC show as a judge. Now he wasn't a referee, but as a, like, I don't want that man anywhere near anything to do no. with these fights. He no. showed, he doesn't know what he's looking at. So why do I want him scoring fights? He's right there. He is the closest anybody can be to understanding what's happening. And he let that man be asleep for a good 30 seconds and then have his arm hyperextended and who knows what the actual damage is. He woke up because his arm was being hyperextended, basically. And then yep. he's like, imagine that. Imagine you're, you you go out. You get choked unconscious. You finally come to, and it's because my arm feels weird. Yeah. What's happening here? Oh, exactly. this guy's breaking it. Great. 
Good these times. commissions, man, these commissions, they, they are the ones responsible for putting these individuals in these spots, in these vital spots for these fighters. These fighters put in so much work. They risk so much to go out there and compete, and they're risking their lives, dude, when they go out there. And you're supposed to keep them as safe as possible. And this guy almost allowed someone to die in the cage, basically. This dude should never Terrible. be working ever again. Terrible. There's, there's no excuse for this. Like, every, even us, we're not even referees. We know what to do in that spot, right? We know, like, if someone's getting choked and you feel like, hey, they're not moving around, you check them to make sure that they're okay. You grab their wrist, you grab their arm to see if it's there's any kind At of, the like. absolute least, you get right up in there and do the, like, you got to give me a thumbs up. Yeah. Right? Something. You, you tell me you're okay. Show me you're okay. And if they don't Something. respond, it means they're asleep. And you should stop the fight. It's brutal. And and, and anybody that's attacking, uh, what is it, Edgar Chavez for not, like, letting go, it's it's not his job. His job is to finish the fight. He does not stop until, fight until the referee, the referee stops. Exactly, yeah. right? So don't ever attack him for this. This is all on the ref. This is all on the commission. And that's the thing is commissions, they don't take – any criticism and they don't care about what people are saying and that's the problem right now is these commissions they have no there's no repercussions for them they're just sitting in their in their high castles doing what they do collect money and basically it's just a front to make i don't know man it's just it's just irritating yeah, it's to me. maddening it's it's irritating it's to maddening. me that that uh and and fighters can't really say too much about it is because the commissions will find a way to not you know allow them to fight if if you if you go too far, they hold too much power. They hold too much power. There shouldn't be like different commissions for different regions as well. It's like why are you having eighty commissions? Because yeah, it's a why, money making. Why machine. is there why is there a commission? And like I get it from a state by state, but it also back when the unified rules weren't applied everywhere, it, it turned into the wild west. It turned into chaos. And so I mean, this is just. As you said, the worst part of it is that there's no transparency with it. There's no accountability for it. I'm not saying I want this official to have to come and stand in front of the media at the end of Friday night and say, answer all the questions for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it's going to be. But like you as a commission have to come out and say, look, he made a mistake. We acknowledge here and now that he made a mistake. And we're going to do these different things. And he's not going to officiate until X, Y, and Z. Because if he's out there next weekend, and there will be a show somewhere in the great state of Texas next weekend, that he's probably going to be officiating. And if I was the guy in a card, on a card, where he's officiating, and we've seen UFC fighters do this. and you, Fighters have the opportunity to do this. I don't know if it necessarily holds true at at the regional level, because you don't have that much sway, but we've seen it at the UFC level where fighters have gone in and been like, yeah, that guy's not refing my fight. I don't want that dude officiating my fight. If I'm on a card and that guy's there, nah, man, I'm not putting my life in your hands. You've, you've shown to me that you don't know what you're looking at. So if I'm in a bad spot, no, keep him away. Yeah. Coaches fighters they should be boycotting this guy they have to be you know what i mean like you don't want this guy anywhere near anything 
that's going on with with mixed martial arts or any kind of combat sport because he's shown that he doesn't know what to do and it's crazy that the commentators are kate side and they're screaming he's out stop the fight like this dude can't hear that like well, and, and then it almost he's hesitated for a second did you notice that like he was gonna stop 100 percent. the worst part of it is too is that if a athlete in the cage crosses a line right so if strike somebody after the bell push an official they face repercussions instantly immediately it's got to go both ways it's got to and i don't like I'm not sitting here expecting Texas to do the right thing because Texas is going to Texas. But like, yeah. if you're an athlete and that man's name is is listed as the official for my fight, I'm talking to whoever I got to talk to to get somebody else in there. Give me Jacob Montalvo. Yeah. He's a he's a great, great official that refs a lot of fight in fights in Texas. He's the only one I can think of, though. That's the unfortunate thing. There's not like four or five dudes that work regularly in Texas that I'm like, oh, that would be perfect. Just, I would constantly be asking for Jacob Montalvo. If if Steve Mazzagatti can get banned, like this dude is without a doubt, should be banned from, from any kind of combat sport. Um, make sure you guys hit that subscribe, hit that like button, and uh, we're going to move on to the next topic. The next topic is from UFC San Antonio. And... Uh, not this one. Oh, here we go. Manel Cop, his fight was canceled um, with Alex Perez like hours, maybe even an hour before that they were even supposed to step out. And Alex Perez was, uh, it was revealed that he had a seizure in the back warming up. And uh, and then he was, I believe he was taken to the hospital and, and they canceled the fight. But, but the thing that I wanted to talk about is is Manel Cop's reaction to this that he is he is attacking and calling him a coward and do we need this in the sport man no. it's, it's no what do you think about this it's dumb reaction? it's dumb it's the bravado nonsense that that sometimes makes this sport intolerable right like a man had a serial serious medical issue and your reaction and look i get being frustrated i get being the dude that signed up to fight alex perez who has had nine fights canceled in the last like four years and can't seem to make it to the cage ever i get the frustrations of being an hour away from making the walk finally get to make the walk again and this dude not being able to compete he's like can we dispel the whole Anyone that fights professionally is a cat. Like, just think that through for a minute, Manel Cop. You understand. You know this. You fight. Are you ever a coward when you can't make it? No. Something happens. And Alex Perez faced something serious. No one that makes that walk and steps into that cage is a coward. Their job is to get into a fist fight for a living. They're not cowards. Stop. We need to. We need to be done with this. I get that Manal Cape is a guy that likes to talk. He likes to say a whole lot of things. Sometimes just, just, just leave it. Just let it be. My man had a seizure. I I understand his frustration because he was Same. about to fight, and he's Same. he's close to a title shot as well, right? This they probably they probably 
told him, yeah, you know, he's he's there. He's if he he's went out, and, yeah, if he went out and styled on Alex Perez, and like that's probably part of the frustration, right? I think I'm going to go out and style on this dude, beat him in the first round, and put myself in the top five to get one of these big names where I win one more and I'm, I'm fighting for a title. Exactly. Or exactly, I can go out right. there and cut a promo and say, everybody already knows I'm the number one contender. Yeah. Give yeah. me the next title shot. Yeah. I but think like, if, if he would have took the high road on this, it would have showed better. You know what I mean? But then at the same time, it probably would have made headlines. And nowadays you're starting to notice that fighters might say things that are out of character because I've known Manel Cop for a while and, and he's always been vocal. I'm going to put it out there. He's always been vocal, but he has like this respectful side as well for his opponents, but usually after they fight, uh, not right. before. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I think if he would have took the high road, it would have just been better in the long term is of pe- how people look at him. But the headlines are going to be made because you say something out of character. If you say something, you know, outlandish and that's what, happened right in this in this instant yes serious medical issue i don't understand like why he would agree to fight alex perez to be honest with you i don't understand why most any flyweight would agree to fight alex perez he's pulled out of too many fights that's a big red flag to me i would think like if i'm a top 10 fighter that's the last person i would want to fight the reason why is not because you're scared or whatever it's is because he's just there's a very real chance that he's not making it to fight exactly and it doesn't matter what the reason is it's and they just, have it all been his. Like the, if you go to his topology, it's two fights and then a whole bunch of gray for yeah. cancellations. They're not all his. I think there was one where Matt Schnell pulled out because he got sick after weigh-ins. I think the last one that he was supposed to have with Kai Kara France, Kai tore his knee. And so that's not Alex Perez's fault, but like the majority of them are Alex Perez hasn't made it to the cage for one reason or another. I'm with you. Like if I'm a, I'm an aspiring flyweight and they offer me that fight. Hey man, you got somebody else. You got, exactly. you got someone else that I can fight. I believe in bad juju. I believe yeah, in man. bad juju. And yeah. sometimes Same. you get bad juju, right? And, and he's just, and Alex, yeah, he just not, it's just Star-crossed. not working out for him. Yeah. Exactly. Ever since the title fight, it just has not been a good run for him. Alex Perez. I hope he's back. I hope nothing, um, is Same. wrong with them seriously you know what i mean because a seizure is a seizure dude that's scary stuff right like agree have you ever seen anybody have a seizure yes. if you have it's then scary. you know how scary it is to be they're completely out of control of their body you're out of control yourself you can't control the situation there it's it's scary stuff um but no cop hopefully they match him up faster against somebody uh a top 10 guy somebody man because I, I like to watch manel cop fight i think that uh he uh he's one of the guys that are are still pretty young in that division and and he's 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 probably the fastest in the division and he's so so dynamic and he would make a great heel at the top of that division against the top guys like a Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno is the nicest guy in the world, right? He plays right. with Legos and all that. And uh yeah, I think you no know, cop would draw that out of him, you know. Even more so than like a Devison Figueredo, right? Because yeah. Manel Cop can speak English, he can speak multiple languages, right? He speaks Portuguese, he's from yeah. Portugal. So that works too. They could go to Brazil and do that fight. Like oh, he I, will, I could he, see he will trash talk yeah. anybody. Yeah. First time I talked to him was before his debut. <laughs> and he right away I was like, for people that don't know you, like for people that this is gonna be the introduction, what do they need to know? And he said that I'll be champion by the end of the year. I'm already the best flyweight <laughs> in the UFC. I was like my guy's good with a quote. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Manel yeah, Cop, I, I am the best flyweight in the UFC. Ain't, yeah, I, ain't fought a second in the octagon. Yeah. I like it. But I love the confidence, right? Like it's it's taking them far. I've I've known Manel Cop since his days of like becoming contender at right in Ryzen and then becoming right. the champ. I remember first meeting him in Phuket at AKA Thailand and interviewing him. And he's he's a nice dude, man. But once that mic gets turned on and yeah. like he's talking about other fighters and his competition, because yeah. he looks at it as competition, he really will go there. Like he, he does up. not have a filter. Yeah. So hopefully he gets uh, rebooked. Alex is is all good and dandy. And I, I just wonder, like, you know, in, in the face-offs, right? Maybe his frustration was built up from like him hearing the rumors that there was like a spy. Remember that? Like he talked about, like there was a spy, uh, like watching his training at, at like the PI or something. Like he went to Alspres and like accused him of that, and maybe that actually built up and and he got angrier because the fight was canceled because he was so emotionally attached to it. That could be something. But spies in camps, I I believe that they are sometimes, especially oh, in yeah. Vegas. Yeah, in Vegas, right? Because you don't know who's watching, right? In Vegas, especially at the PI, there's people walking around all the time, and they're not all UFC fighters. There's right. people from different camps, different promotions that are using the facilities. You don't know who's who. You don't know who's watching. And uh, yeah, and Vegas is like, man, that's a that's a, a crazy ecosystem right there, right? Right now with the PI and all the gyms that's there and all all the fighters that are like reloading all the people there. that drop in. Yeah. Come yeah, in, to, just... come in to do a bunch of tests at the PI and happen to see somebody working. That's going to fight your guy. And yeah, it's, it's an explosive it's place, tricky. man. It's tricky. Um, one last topic that I wanted to get into is uh, this one, Paulo Costa. Let's get into him. Um, he says that he signed a new deal, a new four fight deal with the UFC. Well, I guess that's true, but the part that, confuses me and and i'm i wanted to get your thoughts on it is he's saying he's gonna make seven figures a fight do you believe that no <laughs> no i don't like not i mean here's the thing right paulo costa can say whatever he wants to say mm -hmm. and because he knows that people would be like cool we're gonna we're gonna write a story about this paulo costa said x we don't have to fact check it the ufc if you reached out to them if you reached out and said, hey, could we get clarification? Paulo Costa said that they're not going to confirm anybody's money. The UFC does not do that. Exactly. Historically, they have never done that. The part yeah. for me is they just let the heavyweight champion of the world bounce. They're going to pay Paulo Costa, who two fights ago rolled into town and was like, yeah, I ain't making 85. <laughs> Seven figures to fight in the middle of the middleweight division for right now. Like I just, I don't, I mean, maybe it's so the way I can see it is if he's making 500 K and 500 K, but even that feels, even that feels hefty for Paulo Costa. Not that I don't want people to get paid. I want everybody to get as much money as they can get. And if he is getting 500 K and 500 K, all the more power to him, but you got to go out and get, got to go out and win that second half. So maybe your deal is, is that structured that way? And that's how you get to seven figures every fight. 
but then you got to hold up your end of the bargain and you can't turn up being like, nah, we're not fighting at 85 today, Marvin. We're going to, let's do 205. Or, you know, oh yeah, Izzy beat me, but it's because I had too much wine the night before. Like, you got to turn up and earn those figures. Well, with with this deal, right? So four fight deal. So if he's going to make 7 million, it could be per fight. It could be the whole contract, right? So let's say it's for four right. fights, it's a million dollars, which means he's going to make 250K flat for each fight. Because, you know, they sure. do the flat fees for yep. certain fighters, right? Yep. I can even see, that. I can see that. It's, but I even see that, it. like, if you look at what the UFC has done in the past and, and what he was making in the past, what Paulo Costa was making in the past, that's a big jump for somebody that's not fighting for the title. It's a big jump. And he, I don't even think he's close to the title right now, actually. You know what I mean? He's, he's had a lot of negative friction with the UFC and USADA at the same time. It's, uh, it's great. It's great that he's making much more money than he is. But with, with, with media and with fighters and, 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 and one thing you can do, and I think fighters should do this more often, is manipulate the media. They should do this. And we see fighters taking advantage of that, right? They'll say things that are not true. They'll, they'll accuse fighters, other fighters of certain things that are not true, but it gets them in the headlines. It, it, they manipulate the media into talking about things. We're talking about it right now. This is the reason. And I think right. fighters should take advantage of that more. It doesn't matter if Paulo Costa is making seven figures a fight. But just because he said that right. and, and other fighters in that division, in the middleweight division – are not even making close to that. That's there, in the same be, position yeah. as him. This becomes oh, a talking point just exactly. by saying this is what's happening. And you should do that. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying like, you're there's no repercussions for saying things in the media that are not true because you can't fact check it. The UFC right. is not going to tell you how right. much Paulo Costa is making. The right. UFC doesn't have to tell us anything anymore. Like you don't even know the pay-per-view numbers. You don't know how much fighters are making. There's like, there, yeah. there's secret bonuses that are going out. You know, there's pay and show there's flat fees. We don't know. We don't know clearly. And, and because of that, you can manipulate what's out there online. And why not? Paulo Costa has become a master of social media. And his YouTube is crazy too, man. He gets yep. like massive following on YouTube, like viewership for his content. And uh, yeah, and he's just doing what he's doing, man. You know why? It's because he's not as dumb as he looks. That's why. He understands. He's, he's exactly. playing the game. It's I'm not somebody that is going to sit here and advocate for use the media as your as your prop tool. <laughs> He's a propaganda machine, but he's figured out this angle. He's figured out a way to just keep himself relevant, keep himself in the news. As you said, as we said, nobody, there's no way to verify this. Nobody is going to, he's not going to send you a screen grab of, of his contract. No, the UFC isn't going to say, yep, that's exactly what we're paying him. Here's how it breaks down. This isn't like, you know, major professional sports leagues here in North America he can say what he wants and we're going to write stories and away we go. That could be illegal, right? Like he can't post his contract. Like I don't show believe so. Yeah. yeah I don't no, think I UFC don't has something. So. Yeah. UFC will probably have something there to cover their ass on that. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we see Colby Covington doing it. He's saying things, he's threatening people, right? It's all fake. And, and, and it gets people roused up 
and wanting to click on it to see what he says and and they hate him and and even like other fighters which really they don't need to you know what i mean they don't need to go and say like oh i got john annex back if if colby covington tries that colby covington is not gonna attack anybody what are you guys even talking about what are you even thinking? Like he's not. Have do you, you really? Seen him? Do you really think the dude that got hit with a boomerang by Fabricio Verdum is going to go after someone's children? Like what part of this shtick over the last however many far too many years it's been with Colby Covington has ever felt real to anybody? And if you believe it to be real, I got some lovely oceanfront property <laughs> in the Midwest for you. Yeah, I got Call a timeshare. I got yeah. a timeshare. In the mountains of Montana for you yeah. to, uh, to borrow. And uh, anyway, yeah, it's just, it's, it's to me, do your thing, man. Do your thing. And if people are going to believe it, they're going to believe it. And if, if they're going to write about it, they're going to write about it. If they do write about it, then it's better for if, you. If Draws someone gives attention. you a hot mic and lets you just go and isn't going to push back, it's it working. It goes back to Manal Manel Cop too. He's he's yep. doing the same thing. You know what I mean? Is that how he really feels? Possibly. Maybe, but maybe probably just, Yeah, maybe he just understands this is the thing to do to keep me out here. And looking at this division, as you said, we have the ultimate nice guy at the top of the division. Let me be the ultimate heel. It's a good play. There you go. There you go. Everybody, make sure you guys uh, go follow Spencer. Uh, just just tell everybody where they can find you, man. So, and in 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 all the stuff that you're doing right now. So you can follow me on Twitter at Spencer Kite S P E N C E R K Y T E. That's the easiest place. I post all of my content. Um, if you want to check out the Severe MMA YouTube page, uh, it is Severe Arts. Um, post stuff pretty much every day. Doing a bunch of stuff. Not going to be, ironically, not going to be as much this week because we're not leading into a UFC event. Let's see if I can't grab a couple interviews this week and, and get those out there. But yeah, that's that's the main way to do it. Appreciate you having me and, and letting me plug the stuff. It's always good to catch up, man. For sure, for sure. Everybody, make sure you guys go into the description and download the All-Star app. We've We've been growing the community right now and there's so many people that are making picks and, and challenging each other each week and taking points and you could win prizes, build up the points, win prizes and, uh, and just have fun, man. And it's, it's all free. Like there's nothing you need to pay to do anything. You know what I mean? Like how many things are, are free in this world? Not many, but this one is, and you could communicate with me directly over there anytime you want. Um, yeah. So, uh, we'll have the, actually, there is no UFC show next weekend. No, there's a We're taking April a Fool's off. Oh Happy yes, me too. Me too, man. Me too. I'm gonna take uh, the weekend off, and uh, we'll be back the next week, uh, Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern for the pick show for UFC 287. We'll have lucrative MMA betting on that show. His first time on the show, and uh, we'll we'll have some fun with him. But other than that, man, make sure you guys follow me, JHK MMA on Twitter, and uh, and that's it. Have a good week and be safe out there and uh, and get your money, man. Thank you so much, guys.